The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Praise Amen. You may be seated. I have a t-shirt I got, and uh, they also make a notebook covering for it and a couple other things. And on the front of it, it says, You need Jesus. Just saying. Have you seen those? They're kind of blue and yellow. Uh, I think white as well. I got it a few years ago at Lifeway, and uh, I really like it. And when I wear it, people go, nice shirt. But I've not had anybody ever ask me, why do I need Jesus and why are you just saying it? I thought maybe because they know. But I want to tell you something. That shirt is right. You need Jesus. And I'm not just saying that. You really do. Do you know this this morning? I hope we do. Do you know why you need Jesus? Probably for everything, but there's another reason you may not have thought of. And that's because we are afraid. And you say, oh no, I'm not afraid. Well, let me share with you, you are. You were born with two basic fears. Everybody was. The fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Did you know the fear of heights is learned, but the fear of falling is not? But they're kind of related, aren't they? I'm not afraid of heights, but I am afraid of falling off of them. I'll be up on the side of a hill looking down, and if I start to slip, I'm there it is. For sure. But I'm not afraid to be up there. I'm just afraid to fall down from there. Everything else that you fear is learned. Did you know that? You weren't born afraid of uh, what you're afraid of other than those two things. You weren't born knowing the fear of the dark. I had to learn that one. Hard to unlearn it. You weren't born knowing the fear of spiders or snakes or mice. I don't care what you say, it's not ingrained into certain people. Fear of mice is not. Tight spaces or claustrophobia. I come by that one honestly. I learned it. If you have it, you've learned it. The fear of being alone. The fear of rejection. The fear of crowds. The fear of no crowds. The fear of being abandoned. The fear of failure. I have a few others. The fear of depression or depression itself. And anxiety. All these things we were not born with. 
That's not fair, is it? Somehow we got them, didn't we? And you know, as we got older, we don't even think about it. We have learned to accept fears as a part of our life. We believe in it. The fear inside of us will tell us we're not safe. Don't go in there. It's not safe. Don't talk to that person. You don't know what they might do. Don't go down that alley. Don't talk to strangers. My mother taught me that one. I didn't know what she meant by a stranger. She didn't tell me what a stranger was. She just told me not to talk to them. And I thought she meant strange people. So I talked to everybody as a kid. You know what else about fear is we confess it. We speak it. Some people will seek friends when they're afraid. For comfort. Someone to talk to. Some build walls. I'm afraid someone's going to hurt me, so I build up a wall so no one can get close. Some blame themselves for bad events that have made them afraid. Kids will often blame themselves for the decisions of their parents. I know some children who blame themselves for their parents' separation. And a four or five year old or younger or even on up to 18, 20 year old cannot make two other people make their decision. They make it for themselves, but kids will blame that. Some people blame karma on the bad stuff that happens in our lives. You know what I mean by uh, karma? You know, if I do something good, God should bring me something good. If I've done something bad, this is just payback later when something bad happens. Anybody have a karma kind of belief of God? You would not um, be able to even guess. I can't even guess how many people believe that's how God is. If I do bad, God's going to give me bad. If I do good, God should give me good. And, And it comes out subtly like this. Why would a God who loves us want to hurt us? It comes as justifying and reasoning for the bad things that happen. And so we blame karma on the bad stuff that's happened. Some people say this, if it wasn't for any bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, right? We're blaming luck, fate, anything we want to for the things, trying to make sense of it. We keep trying to find responsibility, fault, blame, whatever. But I'm going to say this again. We don't need to find fault. What we need is Jesus. Jesus is who we need. Why? Because everything in this world that doesn't accept Jesus Christ questions His validity. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you question whether He even was real. This is called doubting the reality of Jesus Christ. It is a plague. It is a sickness. It really is, because Jesus Christ is real. There's no question about it. There's more proof of His existence, His death and His resurrection than there are most other phenomena of people we know who lived. More. And yet people still question whether He even existed. This doubt about whether Jesus is real or not is learned. You weren't born questioning that truth. And let me tell you, all doubt is learned. We are not born as little children, as babies, doubting. 
We don't even know the concept. And when you get into the place of doubt, where you're not sure what you believe or why, it's a dark place. Very dark place. But not only did we learn to doubt, we also learned to be afraid. We learned our fears. We also learned to hide. Some of us are good at that. Some of us learn to cover up. Oh, I didn't do that, you know, I'll just cover my tracks. Some of us learn to withdraw from the world. Some of us have learned to isolate within ourselves. Some of us feel guilty. We've learned this. Did you know you weren't born feeling guilty? <laughs> you weren't born feeling much of anything except for alive. And you weren't sure what to do with that. We have learned to stop living fully the way God intended. Jesus even said, I have come that you might have abundant life. Because without Him, we don't have it. We just don't know that. We've learned to reject love. And the worst thing is, is we've learned to question versus trust. Some people say, well, that's how you learn. Maybe so, but if you question what you used to trust, you have entered into another dark place. All these different things we're afraid of that we do are what I call dark places in our lives. In those dark places, you need Jesus. I'm just saying. Those dark places I mentioned, we talk about walls we build between us and we live our walls, it seems, behind walls, keeping people in, keeping people out. And then we have strings attached to who we'll trust and not trust. And those strings become walls, reasons for them. And we say things like this, good fences make good neighbors. But fences keep things out. If it's a good neighbor, don't you want them to be your friend? See, they also keep us inside. Fences do. Fences are walls. It's a boundary. You don't come beyond this, I won't come beyond that. This is what we agree on with fences and walls. But we're trapped in those walls. And inside them we have anger, addiction, struggles with uh, anxiety, depression, and fear. We have lies, anxiety, not only that, but sexual deceit. And, not, and we have this feeling of not being loved or, or we feel not good enough. All these things are chains inside those walls that keep us validating why we're there. For example, we say, you know, if I wouldn't have just trusted that person, if I don't trust anybody, it won't hurt anymore. Uh, if, I, um, if I don't uh, go around that person, I won't be angry. Then I won't have to be angry. I'll just stay inside this little circle or wall of mine. But those walls also have those chains tied to you. Walls are supposed to be temporary. Good fences make good neighbors, but good neighbors mean you don't need good fences. If you love your enemy, then and you really love your neighbor, I don't think you're going to be afraid of them. To try to keep them out, you're going to want to fellowship with them and connect and have unity. Well, I'd like to invite you over for a barbecue, neighbor, but uh, that wall we built between us just won't let you in the yard. So we'll just—you have it on your side, I have it on my side. We'll talk about it later. Over the wall. Just doesn't work. Those walls and fences were supposed to be temporary and meant to help us cope with stressful moment, not to become a way of life. 
Here's a good example. Well, we live, and I don't know the character of the people per se of who lived there before us, but let's just say it was different than ours. A little more, uh, shall I say, noisy. And a lot of different things that made their yard look different than the way we want ours to look. And uh, we had a neighbor on one side who didn't like that neighbor very much. And so guess what he did? He put up fence. A, not just a chain link. I'm not talking chain. He didn't want to see it. It was one of those solid wood ones this tall. And when there was gaps in it, there were trees and bushes thick. So he didn't have to see that. I saw a picture before that neighbor moved in of our property and there was no fence there. There was no wall, just grass. But he built that. And after a while, he and I became friends. We started talking about what we wanted to do to make our yards look nicer. And, and he said, well, I'm getting tired of this wall. And I said, why are you getting tired of the wall? And he said, because um, the only reason I built it isn't there anymore. I want to be able to see your yard. And you're welcome in my yard anytime. You can borrow anything you want anytime. I don't care. Now, that's not the kind of neighbor where you build a fence to keep them out. It's where you tear a fence down so you can let them have the trust come back. When these things start to heal and mend, relationships grow. And that's what happened. Our neighbor and us on that side, we do projects together for our yards and we, we laugh, we cut up, we talk, and we uh, mutually frustrate over contractors, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so, now between us, we've, we've done a project and, and between us, it looks fantastic. And we talk about it and he says, the other day I was talking to him about it, I said, you know, we're not done yet. Still got some dirt to move over here and some stuff. Here he goes, yeah, but doesn't it look good? Doesn't it look a whole lot better? And I said, you know, it's coming along. He said, yeah, we've done good, haven't we? If you're on your side of the street and he's on his, I got to do good to make my side. But if you do it together, you work mutually. You got better ideas together. Things happen. But when the fences are there, it means trust is broken. Broken trust is learned. Children are born trusting. They have no choice but to trust that someone's going to feed them, clothe them, clean them, change them, love on them. And, and they're so cute and cuddly and lovable that who wouldn't, right? Babies. We love babies. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the innocence of a child can challenge me to wonder why everything changes. But it does. Again, walls, fences, fears, all those things are learned as necessary. Did you know those can be torn down? Would you like to know how to tear some of that stuff down inside of you? Jesus gives us a way. First of all, it says He came to give you light. He didn't come to help you hide in the shadows of walls. In the text this morning, He says in verse 4, In Him, that's Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. 
Now, light there simply means illumination. That Jesus Christ has come to illuminate you and me. That's what He's come to do. And that light, it says in the next verse, shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. The word comprehend there also means understand, um, overcome, um, come to agreement with. The darkness cannot understand what it is. It doesn't know how, okay, darkness is here and light shines and the darkness goes, what's that bright thing? It doesn't understand it because it's not its reality. Well, let me share something with you. In the light of Jesus Christ, that God is love and perfect love casts out fear, we should be walking in perfect love with God without fear every day. But darkness says in us, that's a pipe dream. God says it's not a pipe dream. Jesus did that. He walked around every day without fear, although his life was in jeopardy for nearly all of his earthly ministry. Can you believe that? He walked around without fear. Perfect love. He knew who held him. The worst part about falling is not knowing if you can get back up. When I was young, and maybe when you were younger, and you'd fall and you'd scrape your knee, here'd come the back team and the bandage from the house and mom doing it. When I fell, someone would help me clean up. When I was hurting, I'd run in and cry. There'd be my mother helping me patch up. Someone was there. God gave us mothers to remind us that there is a God bigger than our mother who when she's no longer able to patch up the wounds, there's somebody bigger than that. His name is Jesus Christ. When we hurt, when we have fear, doubts, or questions about ourselves, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. He goes on to say this, and I love what he says. John came in verse 8. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness. That was the true light, which gives light to everyone coming into the world. Now you say, wait a minute. Are you saying that Jesus is in everybody born? It's not what it says. It says that Jesus will give you light. He will wipe the darkness away. Do you know the easiest way to tell the difference between 11 a.m. and 11 p.m.? When you look at the clock and it says 11. Do you know what the easiest way to tell is? Go out the window. <laughs> yeah, can you see? Is it daylight or dark? Dark has a different feel to it, a different look. In the dark, you stumble and you can't see. In the light, you know where you're going. Right? Of course. And there's a reason for that. It's because the light shows you where things are. The dark covers them. Fear, doubt, anxiety, all these things cover something. And what's God trying to do? He's trying to bring it to light. You see, He came to set us free. He came to set you free. He knows the damage that darkness causes. And He came to heal it. 
But a lot of us still carry the wound and the scar. Some of that wound is still open. But once the light shines on it, we see clearly. See, God reveals things by bringing everything to light. It's as simple as bringing it to the true, honest light that things begin to change. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, it talks about that. It says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring, listen to this, to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. God is doing the work of bringing darkness out into the light. When we're covering it up, who are we fighting? Whose work are we trying to stop? God's. God's trying to get us to be vulnerable and open about our brokenness and our woundedness so it can come to the light of God so it can be healed. But most of us are ashamed to do that. We say things like this, I don't want to be seen. I don't want my sin exposed before other people. If you knew me, you wouldn't like me. Not if you really knew my thoughts or my heart. I'm going to share with you a statement if you think like that. Your beliefs created your fear and doubts about that. You were not born afraid of sharing that. Babies have no idea what it means to hide. To not show. Kindergartners even do show and tell. <laughs> what do we do? Don't talk, don't tell. Yeah. Of course. Hide the sin. Do you see how limiting the beliefs we have make us? Do you see how limiting your beliefs have made you? They're like a false safety net. They don't help you in the long run. I wish it was different, but our lives come without a safety net. You know, we fall, there, there's no net. We're not in a circus, we're in life. Some people live like their life comes without a safety net. Refuse to take risks for fear of falling or failure. A lot of us think like I used to think. I thought that falling was failing. And that failure was permanent. Oh, I made a mistake on my test in school. I'm a failure. I'm not a failure. I made a mistake. It means I can learn. I didn't hear that. You see, falling is not failure. If you think that way like me when I was young and as I've been learning now... I was wrong to think that way. Proverbs even says a man falls down seven times and gets back up eight. Falling is a part of success. Thomas Edison said 9,999 times I tried to create a light bulb and did not succeed. Would you call him a failure? Thomas Edison didn't say, I'm a failure. He said, I found 9,999 things I don't have to try again to make a light bulb. 
I succeeded in learning what did not work. I learned in the 10,000th time. Oh, if you'd have quit then in 9999 in the 10,000th experiment. And he charted every one of them, apparently. It worked. And what do we have? We have light bulbs, don't we? Apparently he got it done right, didn't he? He didn't quit because he quote-unquote failed in other people's opinions. He probably had 4,000 patents on stuff that didn't work for making a light bulb. Your failures are your stepping stones to success. The darkness we face can feel like failure. Oh, you don't understand how what I live with in my mind and emotions. It's your darkness. It's preparing you for living in the light. See, God's a safety net for those who risk for the right reasons. I want to say that again. God is a safety net for those who risk for the right reasons. He says, I will catch you. Underneath are His everlasting arms. He tells us that not risking is not the same as the fear of falling. <laughs> I, I like that statement. I want to break that down for you. The fear of falling says, I'm going to fall if I, if I don't stay on this ledge and I go across and out in the vast domain of nothing, I'm going to go down. This is natural. But to live life without a safety net doesn't mean you don't take risks because you're afraid of falling and failing. Being afraid of failing has nothing to do with your fear of falling. Your fear of failure was learned. That you're even anxious about heights is learned. Because heights are not fearful for anybody until they learn that that's where you fall from. Mm -hmm. Then they connect falling with heights. Soon people will look at elevators and say, I can't go up an elevator because it goes up and then it's a high place. And all these connections, and none of it was born in, except for the actual fear of falling. Which made sense, because otherwise people would be jumping off cliffs and thinking they're not done. We need that fear. If you think about it this way, life is like a tightrope walker walking without the ability to turn around going forward and at the end of the tightrope is the end of his life. For some of us, the tightrope is this long. One step over and I'm on the other side of the city. But our lives can be so much more if we would just dare to trust God to be there and take a step of faith. It's a scary place. That's why you need Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, that light is what happens when God is shined in your hearts. It says the gospel, if it's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, those who do not believe, who reject Jesus Christ. And the next verse talks, that whose minds the God of this age has been blinded, been blinded, 
They don't believe. Lest the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Now, the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, simply means, I believe God is who He said He is, Jesus is who He said He is, I know that He loves me unconditionally, that He has died to redeem me from past sin and failure and future, and I'm living on this earth in a relationship with a God who will bring me home no matter what happens. Therefore, I can take risks because it's not going to stop my end destination. My life may look like it's this long on a tightrope, but in eternity it's forever. If I live for Jesus, the tightrope never ends. But it's no longer a tightrope. It's a journey. It's an adventure. It's getting me from one place to another. And God says, learn to walk on the tightrope. Learn to take the risk of loving beyond the fear. It is not comfortable. God did not call you to comfortability. God is in Jesus Christ. Darkness is what happens when you're blinded to the fact that you need Jesus in your life. My wife and I were driving last Sunday. This is where the title of the sermon came from. We're coming across the bridge from Illinois back into Kentucky. And um, if you remember last Sunday, it was mostly cloudy. And as we're driving, rays of sun had broken through a whole patch of clouds over to the west. But far south and east, only one ray had broken through. And, and she said, look at all the rays, how pretty they are. And I said, there again, yeah, that's beautiful. And I went, oh wow, look at that one over there in the dark. It's just one. And, and I don't know how, but it's just a real bright light. And, and I got fixated on how bright that light was compared to the darkness around it. Then I looked at the other lights, rays that were coming through on the other side, and they were probably about the same, I don't know what you call it, width, size of rays coming through. But there were a bunch of them. And there was hardly any darkness over there. But over here it was so dark, a light ray was coming through was transfiguring. Here's what we sometimes say. God, my life is so dark. This world is so dark and mean. People living with mental illnesses, addictions, uh, bad relationships, can't seem to get along. It's so dark. Uh, but when you see one that's working, <laughs> that God is working in, and you see that light, you go, wow, how refreshing. I'm encouraged again. Sometimes you are that night light. The light that comes through the darkness and someone else sees it and goes, you mean there is another way? It's harder for me to shine when everybody else is doing it. But when you have a whole room full of people who are all grumbly, mumbly, and hateful, and you walk in with a joyful heart, people look at you like, what's wrong with you? It's like I've gone to the criticism convention and I went with the joyful convention attitude. And so if you walk in there like that, it's a great day. They're going, what's so good about it? It's time alive. Yeah, well, you won't be. 
and it come back with everything. But if His light keeps shining because it's God's light which never dis- extinguishes and keeps shining in the darkness, the darkness is going to get done with you and go, well, you, you're just impossible to deal with. You don't make any sense. This world is mean, bitter, and cruel and you're happy in Jesus and you just don't make any sense. I, I can't deal with you. Didn't the Scripture just say the darkness shines in darkness and the darkness cannot understand it cannot comprehend it, and it cannot overcome it. All things are in that word, translated comprehend. When you are walking in the light of God, darkness cannot and will not help you. <laughs> it will challenge you. And if you have dark places inside you that say, well, you just don't know, I'm, I'm so miserable of a person, I'm a wretch, and you start shining a light of God on that, and you, and you start saying, no, I'm not. I'm a beloved child of God and a beautiful masterpiece. And the other parts going to go, oh, you just think you are. And it's going to keep talking louder and louder until you finally say, listen, I am a masterpiece. No matter what anybody else says, God says it. That settles it. I'm His. I'm going to stay His. Guess what? The darkness shuts up. It can't fathom this kind of logic or thinking because it isn't a part of it. Yet when we're born, the only thing we have dark in us is the fear of falling, which we need. And we need a fear of loud noises. We don't need anything else at that time. But somehow we think we need to be afraid of things that we don't need to be afraid of anymore. And we have walls and fences built that we don't need anymore. There are a lot of things we're scared of. We just didn't realize we were afraid of them until someone told us. Oh boy. So what do you do with all that? Our fears, our doubts, questions, anxieties. Would you not agree that they all handicap life? They take away some of the joy, don't they? Oh, if I could just believe better. Or believe all the way. If I could just understand. Darkness can't understand light. And light doesn't need to explain itself. I've come to the conclusion this week that most of my fears are not necessary. I don't need them. I've come to the conclusion also that uh, my doubts about whether God did this or that or this thing or that thing uh, about the creation and etc. and all those questions that sometimes are hard to answer that uh, I don't need my doubt either. It hasn't helped me. There was a time for a moment when those things were needed. But not anymore. God's perfect love casts out the fears and doubts and questions. When Jesus made Himself very clear to the disciples, this is what they said to Him. We now know who you are and have no need to ask you questions again. You read that. And you go, but He hasn't answered all their questions. When you know Jesus is who He is, you've got the answers you need. Perfect love casts out fear. 
trust trumps doubt. Did you think you could do this without Jesus? Really? Did you think you didn't need Him every moment of every day, of every time, of every second, of every breath, just to let Him know that you're His and He's yours and this is a lifetime thing forever and ever. Amen. Or are we just still saying, well, I believe in Him, but I'm just not sure yet. Those doubts are going to destroy you. You don't need them. So here is what I want you to do. I said one sentence and it's a very simple sentence. And I'll explain to you what the sentence is about and then I'll tell you what it is. God gave each one of us some of Himself when we became one with Christ. We have part of God. That means we have the ability to create. But we have that ability to create because He made us in His image way back in Genesis. We create things. We've created, obviously, there's buildings and clothing. We've done this. Human beings are very creative people. It's part of the gift of God is for our creativity to be explored, expanded, and given glory to God with it. So, here's something else that you've created, and this is the sentence. I have created my doubt and fear of this or in this area. As soon as I wrote that sentence down one day this week, I began thinking about that. And I said, because I got struggled with anxiety, right? Some anxiety came along. And I said, well, how am I creating this? That's the question you ask yourself. How am I creating this, this doubt? Because it wasn't yours when you were born. And no one's doing it for you. It's yours. And it's a part of your creation. When that statement...